Well, folks, it is lovely to be back again tonight with you. And uh, we do want to thank James and Joan. I can hardly breathe up here. I'm not full. And uh, if I go to sleep, you'll know why, all right? Um, I have no glasses on, so I can't see if you're sleeping down there. But I was, we were at something, uh, an event the other night, and there was someone there from Africa. And they were telling us that in Africa, that there's a man who goes around with a big long pole. And if you fall asleep, he pokes you in the meeting. So I don't know why anybody's got poles down there tonight or not. But um, anyway, it's lovely to be back with you and thank you for the opportunity to share again. And as I said this morning, thank you for your support and for your prayers for the work of Acre Gospel Mission or Acre International. We really do appreciate that. And as I said this morning, it's exciting to see what God is doing right across the board. And uh, we have just had a great weekend or a great few days down in the Killy Hevelin when Barry and Raquel Henry from Portugal were there sharing with us about their Portuguese work in the Algarve and certainly it's amazing to see that work growing. They're there 10 years, they started off with 15 or 20 people 10 years ago and now they would have upwards on 100 coming every Sunday uh, afternoon and so we're very uh, excited to see what the Lord has for that and for the, what the Lord is doing there in the church um, with them in the Algarve, the Portuguese side of the work. Um, and again, I know that Victoria has shared already with you uh, about the work that we did in the summertime up in Cool Rain. And we very much want you to continue to pray for that work. Um, it's a little church up there. There's very few in it. And we're trying to keep it open and try to encourage them and help them. They're really seeking the Lord for a pastor to come like you are here. That really praying that the Lord will send the right man to them to uh, develop the work there someone with vision and with passion to reach out into the needy, needy housing estates around about where the church is. There's just a, a huge estate behind and during the summer the team there went out with literature into the estate, invitations around the estate, uh, the little hope magazine that the Good News for Everyone produce and I think there was about 1,500 of those given out in those houses and we're praying that God will use his word to open the hearts of people there. You know, behind those doors are some tremendous needs. Some of the places that the girls were in putting the, the magazines into, the smell of drugs in some of those places was terrible. And again, the conditions that some people are living in, the needs that some of those people have behind those doors are, are astounding. And uh, we just pray that God will send someone to reach uh, from the church there, to reach out. The folk are all in their 70s, 80s and 90s in the church. They're the most fantastic people. The first night I was at the prayer meeting, I've been working with them for about a year and a half now and helping them out. And the first night I came out of the prayer meeting, I rang Karen when I came out and I said, Karen, my heart has been lifted tonight. I am so blessed through these people. For I tell you, they knew how to pray. And one after the other, they were seeking the Lord and crying out for God to come and move. It was amazing, an opportunity that I will, or a time that I will never forget with them. And we love the people up there. I'm actually there all day next week. Uh, next Sunday, I'll be with them up in Korean. But pray for the work there. Pray for them as they reach out to these um, asylum seekers that God will open the hearts of these people. How many Sundays do you ever have 10 plus Muslims sitting in your church service? It doesn't happen, I don't think, at St. Field or many other places. But we had the privilege of having Muslim mothers and fathers, 25, around 25 Muslim children in to those children's clubs. What a privilege for us to be able to share God's word with them. But not only that, 
to show them something of Christ's love. Some of them couldn't speak very much English. I know Victoria is still in touch with one particular family that the Lord really has led in her heart. And uh, please pray for them as we still have contact. And I know that Jeff and Marianne are planning to do something on the 9th. I think it's the 9th of uh, December. We're going to put parcels together, um, Christmas packages together, because these kids have nothing. And to give them something for Christmas. Um, and to show again Christ's love to these people. And we very much value your prayer for that, that the Lord will continue to help and bless and use us as some small way. And the others too that are reaching out to them, use them in some small way in links to the chain and seeing these folk coming from darkness into God's marvelous light. So thank you for your prayers and we ask you to continue to pray for us like we did this morning. We're going to pray and then we're going to read a few verses from God's word in our closing moments together tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for all that we have sung and all that we have heard already in our meeting tonight. Lord, we thank you for, again, the blessing of your day. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of coming in freedom tonight into your house to worship you, Lord, and to praise you and to come around your precious word and open up your word, Lord, and share it together. And Lord, we do pray, Lord, if there's those online tonight that don't know Christ or maybe someone sitting here in the church tonight that has still never come to know Christ as their Savior or, or maybe, Lord, someone that's cold in their heart. Lord, we pray that you will speak tonight. Lord, that you will do your work in your way for your eternal glory. We ask for your help, Lord, as we read your word and share some thoughts together this evening because we ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're turning to the first book of Hebrews, please. You'll all be singing the song, won't you? All the, the books to, to get through this um, tonight. But uh, the Epistle to Hebrews, chapter 1, sorry, chapter 2. And we're reading just the first few verses of chapter 2, please. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not, hath he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honour, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see, not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. We'll end there at the end of verse 9, and we know that God will bless the word to our hearts again this evening. The verse that I want to focus in on tonight is verse 3. The writer to the Hebrews here is speaking to believers, not non-believers. 
This admonition is to encourage believers to pay attention to the great salvation that they have received from the Lord. As verse 1 tells them, lest at any time we should let them slip. It's so easy to drift again with the current, isn't it? It's so easy to go with the crowd sometimes, and it's difficult to return against the stream. Our salvation tonight is a great salvation, purchased at great price, with great promises, great blessings, and it leads to a great inheritance. I'm sure every single one of us tonight here, if we're honest, to some degree or another, put off a decision or task until tomorrow. Does anybody do that? Everybody's hand probably should go up. So often tomorrow is next week. Next week is next year. And Karen says that my phrase is, it'll do there for now. And probably a whole lot of wives are doing the same thing. It'll do there for now, or I'll put it there for now. And she always reminds me of that. The tendency to delay is often harmful, isn't it, in every area of our lives. The person who's in debt, who says, I'll pay my debts tomorrow, quite often ends up bankrupt, don't they? The person who is sick and doesn't go to the doctor could very easily end up in the cemetery. The young person putting off their schooling could quite often find themselves with no job, no employment at the end of it. There are a couple that I knew many years ago whenever I worked with the Faith Mission up around Balamina, and they were going out together for 20 years. And, well, she was hoping in all the leap years she would ask him, but she never did. Maybe there's a felon girl like that here tonight, I don't know. But this went on for 20 years, and one day she got very frustrated with him. And this is a true story, and you've probably heard this before anyway, as a joke, but it was a true story. She got very, very frustrated with him, and she said to him, would you never think of getting married? And he looked at her and said, well, who would have us now? Putting it off until tomorrow. And sometimes that's too late. I wonder, have you ever wondered tonight why people put off the decision to follow Christ? Procrastination is the thief of time. Someone said that tomorrow is often the busiest day of the week. And as the country and western song used to be, tomorrow never comes. And that's so true for so many. In the New Testament, there are three unanswered questions. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it reminds us there, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? An unanswered question. In 1 Peter chapter 4.17, it reminds us there, What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And also this question that we have read tonight, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And as I've said already, although the writer here is speaking to believers, we've been warned in Bible college not to take verses and make them boards to jump off. But I'm going to do that tonight, all right? You'll forgive me, won't you? I want us to think of it as a gospel question tonight. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And I believe as a gospel question tonight that this is one of the most challenging, searching, and one of the most solemn verses and questions found in the scriptures. It falls into three simple divisions that I want to leave with you tonight. First of all, we see a great provision that God has made for us all, salvation. 
Secondly, we see a great peril that faces us all. Neglect. And thirdly, the great problem that is ahead of us all. If we neglect so great a salvation, it tells us there, how shall we escape? First of all, the great provision that God has made for us all. What is this greatest provision that God has made for us? The answer can be given in one word tonight. And that one word is salvation. What does salvation mean tonight? Does it mean that being a, by being a good person? Does it mean by saying prayers? Does it mean by attending a place of worship? Does it mean that being baptized saves us? Sadly, there are many people that think that that's the right answer. And if we were to go out into the streets, even in St. Field, or Balnehinch, or down into the city centre in Belfast, many people would tell you that the Christian life is just a lifestyle that you choose or not. It's just a way of life. They'll tell you you're supposed to love your neighbor. You're supposed to forgive your enemies. You're supposed to do good to those around you. They'll tell you all of these things. Some believe that if they were baptized in a church as a baby, that that's the way to salvation in God. Folks, if that was the answer, then all of our missionaries would run around the world sprinkling water on babies' heads and calling them names, wouldn't they? If that would get them into heaven someday. But it's not enough. The word of God reminds us that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy that he saves us. It reminds us that it's for by grace we're saved through faith. Not of ourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation implies the idea of forgiveness. We've been singing about that tonight, haven't we? It implies the idea of safety, of deliverance of perseverance, of soundness. It gathers together all the redemptive acts and purposes and processes. Justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, forgiveness, sanctification, glorification. All those words that we can't understand, half of them is not right sometimes. Salvation has a threefold nature that we're saved from the past, the present, and one day we're saved from the future of sin. Saved from the power of sin. And one day being saved from the very presence of sin for all of eternity. The hymn writer says he died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good that we might go at last to heaven saved by his precious blood. Salvation provides complete restoration for the sinner. The provision that God has made for us to bring us back into fellowship with himself and into the safety and family of the fold of God. And if we read into Luke chapter 15, doesn't it remind us there about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son? Whenever that sheep was lost, it was away from the shepherd. It was wandering alone. It was outside the fold. It was in danger. But then the shepherd sought the sheep. That shepherd didn't sit back and say, actually, I've got 99 more. Forget about the one. It's not that important. But it was important to him. We know how he sought the sheep. He found the sheep. He placed it on his shoulders. And once again, that sheep was brought into the safety and security of the fold and the care of the shepherd. Again, the coin. We had a lady with us on our team in Portugal. Her name is Lorna Jones, and she uh, is, is an amazing, amazing girl. Uh, lady, she's older than me. Shouldn't call her a girl, actually. I'm only a young fella, aren't I? But 
Lorna, uh, on the team, we do devotions in the mornings, and Lorna did one of the morning devotions. And she spoke on the lost coin. And she shared about how the woman had that coin that meant so much to her. It was valuable to her. Yes, she had nine more, but that one lost coin was precious to her. That lost coin had uh, meant something to her and meant so much to her that she searched diligently until she found it. And she rejoiced when she found the coin that was lost. And she shared with us uh, as a teen, she said, you know, we're going out today into the streets of Fatima. There's tens of thousands of people here. But we want you to remember that every single one of these people is just like this coin. She's a little coin. Everyone's just like this coin. Everyone has the image of God stamped on them. Everyone is precious to God. Everyone is valuable to God. And they were so valuable that God gave us life through his son on the cross of Calvary for the one lost soul. What a challenge to us as a team. You know, if we were that day, she gave us all those coins. We all had the coins in our pocket. And often put your hand in and took it out and remembered every single soul is precious to God. No matter where they're from, no matter what their circumstances, no matter how old or young, no matter how down in the depths of sin they are or up the moral ladder that they are, they're all precious to God. But they're lost. And they need to be brought into the family and fold of God. Do we get the picture tonight? The writer of the Hebrews calls it a great salvation, but more than that, because he speaks here and he calls it a, a so great salvation. Why is salvation so great tonight? Well, I want to leave a few things with you too. It's so great because of the great love that provided it. We've been singing about that tonight, haven't we, in our last hymn. The hymn writer says, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there is great and grace is free. And there our burdened souls find liberty at Calvary. Salvation is so great tonight because of the great love that prompted it and the great love that provided. We already uh, shared the verse this morning at the breaking of bread in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, so often we measure how much people love us by what they do for us or what they give us. Isn't that right? Now, Christmas is coming up. And I detest going out to buy presents. Last year, Karen was doing um, interviews for work. And she said to me, go you out to the boulevard in Banbridge and get presents for certain people. I rang her and I said, Karen, I don't want to talk to you. I'm studying. I said, ah, but I need to know what, oh, just go into any shop and buy whatever you want. So then I bought whatever I wanted and then I got told off when I come home because I spent too much money. However, um, I don't like going out to buy presents, but so often you give someone something and they look at it and they say, hmm, is that all the thought of me? Or maybe they get a present and they look at it and think, oh, I didn't buy them as good a one back. And you're surprised by what they do for you or what they give you. And so often we measure God's love or we measure other people's love by what they do for us. We can never measure God's love tonight, can we? I love the words of the hymn, and I love quoting hymns so often. Uh, the words of the hymn that says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches 
to the deepest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God sent his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from all sin. And the chorus says, could we with ink the ocean fill? Or was the skies a parchment made? Every stalk and earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. First John 4.10 says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent a son to be the propitiation or the substitute for our sins. We can't measure God's love. And it's just some great salvation because of the love that provided it for us tonight. God is love. And God loves you tonight with an everlasting love. It's so great because of the great price that was paid for it. It cost God, didn't it? It cost God the best that he had in sending his only son into the world. Someone said that creation cost God a word and it was done. Salvation cost God the word. It cost him the gift of his precious son, the saviour of the world. The one who went all the way to the cross. And again, we shared about that around the table this morning. As we thought of the place of pain and agony. Where the Lord Jesus Christ suffered physically for you and me. The beatings, the spittings, the mockings, the crown of thorns. The nails in his hands and feet. And that he suffered. But he suffered spiritually. As God his father turned on his back in his son. Because God cannot look on sin. As the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself on the cross. And he cried it is finished. It stands finished. It always will be finished. He paid the price that we could never pay. The picture is complete. 1 Peter 1 verse 16 says for as much as ye know that you're redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and spot. You know, a thing is recognized to be precious because of what we pay for it. So if you go out and buy something that's five pounds, well, you'll not think it's maybe very precious, will you? But if you go out and buy something that's five thousand pounds, it might be a wee bit more valuable to you and a wee bit more precious and you maybe look after it a wee bit better. Or if you millionaires here went out and spent five million pounds, well then you'd think it was very, very precious, wouldn't you? Salvation provides every blessing for you and for me. The price paid was nothing less than the blood and death of the everlasting Son of God the Lord Jesus Christ it's precious because of the great price paid for us because of the great love that provided but it's also precious because of the so great it's so great because of the great blessing included in it salvation provides every blessing that we need tonight salvation provides our need completely in the Lord Jesus Christ when we're saved it means that we're forgiven it means that we're cleansed. It means that we receive eternal life. 
It means that we've got the joy, the peace of God that passes all understanding. That we've got the grace of God in our lives. That heaven is our home. What a tremendous provision for us. And even as believers tonight, and it's telling us here, not to take these things for granted. It is so great salvation. I shared about that verse this morning at the table in Psalm 40. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they're more than can be numbered. When we count our blessings as believers tonight, God has given us so much. God has given us so many privileges, hasn't he? And what are we doing about that? Taking it for granted? Or tonight is our salvation, a so great salvation. I said this morning something to sing about and something to shout about to tell the world about so great salvation because of the blessings that's included in it not only a great provision not only a so great provision for us and so great salvation we see secondly that there's also a great peril what's the great peril that faces every man and woman tonight every young person every boy and girl it's the peril of neglecting the salvation that God has so graciously and freely provided for us to be seen. There are three words that describe the attitude of every single person to the gospel. And each one of us are doing one of these three things tonight as we're confronted with the word of God and with God's great salvation tonight. Maybe for some in this meeting, you're rejecting God's salvation. How dangerous it is to reject God's offer of salvation or eternal life for us. In John 5 verse 40, Jesus said, And you will not come to me that ye have eternal life. For many tonight, they love their sin and they loathe the Savior. There's a man called Harry Ingersoll. I'm sure some of you have heard this illustration before. Maybe heard of this man. He used to stand in Hyde Park in London in Preacher's Corner and he would take off his watch and he would lift his watch high up into heaven and he would say to the folk if you if there's really a God there if you're really there God I'm going to look and count for one minute and after the minute you can strike me dead if there's really a God out there and people used to crowd around him and they used to listen to him and they were expecting after the countdown of the minute that suddenly God would come out of heaven and strike him down dead. And they used to wait for that 60 seconds to happen. And it never happened. There was a wee Scottish woman there one day. And she wasn't afraid of what she was hearing. And after he had done this and held the watch up. And the 60 seconds were over. She said to him. Mister. Are you married? And he said yes I am. She said have you any children? He said yes I have three boys. And then she said, if one of your barons came with, to you with a knife and said, I want you to kill me, one of their children said, I want you to kill them. What would you do? Would you do it? He said, oh no, missus, I wouldn't do it because I love them too much. And then she turned it on him and she said, well, God loves you too much. He loves you too much. Whenever Harry Ingersoll came to die, he was lying on his deathbed with all his atheistic friends sitting around him in the bedroom. And they were saying, Harry, hold on. Don't go yet. Don't go yet. Hold on. Hold on. Don't die. 
And in a weak voice he said, what have I got to hold on to? I have nothing. I have nothing. And sadly we could reiterate that story over and over again tonight, couldn't we? And I could take you to hospital rooms. Where some of my own relations have been on their deathbed. And we have tried to talk to them about the things of God. But they weren't interested. And they rejected very firmly the message of the gospel. Are you rejecting tonight God's offer of salvation for you? Not only those that reject God's salvation, but there are those who accept God's salvation. For many of us tonight in the meeting, we have come to that place in our lives where we have heard the gospel. Where we've believed the gospel. Where we've received the gift of eternal life for ourselves. Where we've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Where we're saved tonight. Where we've accepted the gift of God. Eternal life. John 1 verse 12. It reminds us there. But as many as received him to them give you the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. What a wonderful thing it is tonight. To know Christ. At Bill Wood's little committal last week, Victor Maxwell shared a little tribute to him and shared uh, John chapter 3 in Portuguese that they asked him to do that. And he was telling us again the other night, he said, you know, whenever Bill closed his eyes just a couple of Mondays ago, in death, he said, as a boy of 14, whenever he knelt and trusted Christ as a saviour, that that afternoon, in Dundonald Hospital, in the Ulster Hospital, that that made the big difference. Because he knew that heaven was his home. He was sure that whether death came or Christ came, that he was going to be with him for all of eternity. All of eternity. Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Maybe you're not saved tonight. Isn't it wonderful to know? And he stands with open arms tonight. And you're in the day of grace still. That offer of mercy stands for you. As we said this morning. Next week could be too late. But tonight. The word of God reminds us. That now is the accepted time. Behold now today. Is the day of salvation. Not only those who accept God's salvation. Those who reject God's salvation. But we also know of those that neglect. God's salvation. And this word refers to those who don't deliberately reject, but at the same time don't accept salvation. They simply put off what God has provided for them. They attend church, they attend missions, they hear the gospel, they agree with the gospel, but they do nothing about it. A very dangerous thing to do. And again, missioning for many years with Faith Mission, many different districts, many areas, we saw many people like that. And again, I could talk all night and give you illustrations of people. This is a dreadful peril that faces multitudes of people today. The great peril of neglect. Sadly, many young people that have been brought up in Christian homes and have been brought up under the sound of the gospel, they neglect God's great salvation. It's so easy to be taken up with our homes, with our businesses, with making money, our hobbies, our pleasures to neglect salvation so often people will say maybe someday they'll, they'll say maybe when I get older I'll trust in Christ if we neglect our bodies we suffer if we neglect our businesses they can't expect to prosper 
If we neglect our home, it will fall into disrepair. But people think differently about their soul, don't they? About spiritual matters, about salvation. And certainly the neglect of some things will only bring temporal consequences. But the neglect of the soul will bring eternal consequences. Are you neglecting your soul tonight? Maybe you're watching online tonight and maybe you're neglecting your soul. The rich young ruler, Jesus said to him, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. If that was you tonight, where would you be in eternity? Very quickly, because time is gone. We see the great provision that God has made, the great peril. And then we see, finally, the great problem. If we neglect God's salvation tonight and the provision that God has for our soul's salvation, this verse tells us how shall we escape. From the beginning of human history, Satan has tried to convince men and women that they could sin and get away with it. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the devil tricked them into taking of the fruit that we're told not to take of. And of course we know how sin came into the world. And the, again Romans reminds us, for by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for all of sin. And of course the devil wants us to believe that we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. And get away with it. And yet the word of God tells us sin when it's finished bringeth forth death. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us very clearly that there's only one way for a sinner to be saved. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That there's only one way available for us to be saved tonight. And if we neglect salvation, we will never be saved. We will never be in heaven. The night I got saved, Revelation 20 verse 15 was preached by the Reverend Sam Workman. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life would be cast into the lake of fire. John 3.36 reminds us, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. John 3.18 reminds us, Whosoever believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The Lord Jesus preached 13 times in hell and only two in heaven. It's a real place tonight. It's an eternal place tonight. It's separation from God tonight for all of eternity. It's possible tonight at a tremendous cost. God has made salvation available to you. And what are you saying tonight? God is very kind of you. But you're neglecting it. But how will you escape? Our time's away. There's an old myth that the devil called his demons to conference to work out the best strategy how that he could convince people to stop trusting in Christ. The first demon said, I'll go to earth and I'll tell them that there's no God. The devil said, that won't work. Whenever they look at creation they'll know that there's a designer, that there's a creator. The second demon said, I'll tell them that the Bible's not true. 
The devil said, that's no good. They'll read the Bible and they'll see the prophecies in the Bible and they'll see them being fulfilled. So they'll realize that the Bible is true. The third demon said, I'll tell them that they don't need to be saved. And the devil said, yeah, there's a few who'll believe that, but most people know that they're sinners and they need to be saved. And the fourth demon said, yes, I'll tell them there is a God. I'll tell them that the Bible's true. I'll tell them that they need to be saved. But wait until tomorrow. And sadly, hell is full tonight of people who have sat in churches like this church. People who were going to be saved. Sometime. Someplace. Tomorrow. But it's too late. Wouldn't it be sad tonight to think that someone sat here or watched online tonight this church service? Someone who has heard the gospel many times, who has sat maybe from a child on their mother's knee and heard that they need eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight they haven't rejected salvation, but they've neglected salvation. And tomorrow could be too late for them. The great provision, the great peril, the great problem. I want to finish just with the words of a song that sometimes we sing. It's a testimony of a young man. And I trust there's no one's testimony here tonight. It says, I got up on Sunday morning, went to the church at 10. I listened to the words I heard time and time again. The preacher spoke of sinful lives. It seemed that he spoke of mine. But I thought I'd get plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound to eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. I'm just a young man, not yet in my prime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wished to live, out to beat the other fellow, out to see what life could give. Making money isn't sinful. Having fun, it's not a crime. So I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. The last verse says this. Before I knew what had happened, earth scenes had passed away. And millions stood before God's throne, for it was judgment day. Now eternal darkness beckons, and the name God calls is mine. But I thought I'd got plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound, to eternal darkness or to a heavenly crown. I'm just a young man. Not yet in my prime, so I'll just wait. I've got plenty of time. The last chorus says this. Eternity waits. I've got plenty of time. To think of all the days that Christ could have been mine. But my chance is over. Earth's scenes are left behind. And here I am. I've got plenty of time. In a lost eternity. Having wasted my time. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank you for the provision of the gospel for each one of us tonight. That you didn't spare your best, but you freely give your all. 
in giving your only son the Lord Jesus Christ even to death on a cross to be that once for all sacrifice for sin for each one of us forever and Lord you know every heart in this meeting tonight from the youngest to the oldest and Lord you know those who have maybe rejected salvation maybe some tonight that are neglecting salvation and Lord we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will open their hearts tonight and you will help them to accept God's great gift of eternal life. That they might be sure of sins forgiven. Sure of peace with God. And have that promise and assurance of eternal life in heaven forever. We pray that you will do your work. Bless us Lord in these closing hymn we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Number 330 please. We're going to just sing the first and last verses of this hymn I hear thy welcome voice that calls me Lord to thee for cleansing in my precious blood that flowed on Calvary. Maybe you're not saved tonight I want you to sing these words from your heart. I am coming Lord coming now to thee wash me, cleanse me in the blood that flowed on Calvary. Just the first and last verse please um, of 330. 